Hello, welcome to CarCast and Edmonds Podcast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Alistair Weaver. Hello, welcome. Welcome. I think I'm in better shape than you this week. Yeah, it's not my best day. <laughs> um, so much, so many events, so much travel, and uh, just got a bit of a cold. Not COVID, that's good. I've checked a few times. It's uh, not that, but just, you know, right at the beginning of the year, uh, went to Arizona, RM auction, Barrett Jackson auction, came back. And two days later, went to a SEMA conference. That was another, you know, 100 people and packed into rooms that I had to meet with, you know, 15 meetings. You do kind of a speed dating thing. You go and meet all these companies and talk about the performance parts and projects for the year. And and it's not in an environment like the convention center. It's like you know, COVID speed dating. It is. It really kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every meeting, every meeting has to be nine minutes long just in case. I, I yeah. well, if it makes you feel any better, I've got a, a got a bit of a cold, as you can probably hear, and B went to NADA, so uh, which is if people don't know, that's the big dealer association. So it's yeah. five thousand dealers arriving on Las Vegas, and I was there Thursday, Friday, uh, which is the convention center, but it's also a bunch of meetings and a bunch of bars and a bunch of casinos. So yeah, that's a, that's a good way to get ill too. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you won't get any of anything. You won't get uh, too sick or uh, get COVID or whatever. But um, uh, and now it's a storm in California, which always makes me laugh. That's it. And you know, my my warehouse leaks. So <laughs> yeah, my my house leaks. I've got like, like little. I've got basic breakfast bowls sitting underneath my ceiling. This <laughs> is it on Instagram. I live in Manhattan Beach, which, if you don't know, is just south of LAX Airport. But it's it's so funny down here because you know. 360 days of the year it's sunshine so a little bit of rain which me as a brit was like well this is just three days of rain that's kind of like you know at least it's not three months and uh it was like they were offering us free sandbags yeah seriously yeah. i was like is this is this something to do with you know russia no it's a bit of rain. <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah for some reason every year when that when that sema mpmc conference comes around people fly in for it and it rains it just rains the whole time they're moving it to orlando next year i was like doesn't it rain there too? So I'm not sure what the motivation is. There's got to be maybe a different time of the year would be better. But anyway, <clears throat> I know you've uh, been following F1 for your entire career and a big fan and and did quite a bit of work with them in the days. We brought that up a few times in in the podcast. Um, what's going on with the big with the big driver change? What's going on with Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, Hamilton to Ferrari. It's kind of weird that you get this. You know, it happens now and again, but to keep it all locked down like that and then suddenly announce it, it was it was huge, huge story and really exciting. I mean, it's really, really exciting. And, you know, obviously then they have this weird thing where he's got to drive for Mercedes this year, which I think will be okay for Hamilton because it's like a big swan song and it'll be fine. But like Carlos Sainz coming, you know, now leaving Ferrari, that's super tough because you've basically got to be with this team for the whole year knowing that they don't really want you anymore. And mentally, that's really hard. And Sebastian Vettel had that for a year and kind of blew his mind a little bit and he, he had a bad year. But it's uh, it's really it's really interesting to see. ton of money. It's a good you know good comment on those who are sort of getting on in life as well because he'll be 39, 40, which, <laughs> you know, he's got a few years he reckons left in him. But I remember interviewing him when he was at McLaren. This is this is when I wasn't working in F1. This is more of a, more of a journalist thing. And he um, he was just this like little kid got this McLaren drive sitting in the McLaren technology center. And then here we are kind of best part of what, 20 years later, nearly. And uh, he's yeah, you know, seven times should be eight time world champion and off to Ferrari. And there's obviously a lot of romance 
I mean, there's there's a big paycheck, but frankly, it doesn't need that. Uh, you know, it's a big romantic story that you finish your career at Ferrari. Senna never did it; his big hero, and it's going to be really exciting. Ferrari is hasn't really won a championship in a while. No, two thousand and seven. I think Kimi Raikkonen was the last one, and even yeah. that was because McLaren made a hash of it. So yeah, but I don't know. Schumacher did it where he went in and kind of led them to led them to glory. I think. But he's got a job on because Charles Leclerc in the other in the other car is super super fast. And my sense of it is maybe he'll maybe he'll end up in a kind of Alain Prost role where he maybe not be maybe get outpaced in qualifying, but then just have all the racecraft. And but you know I, what I love about it as well is it's not like a boxer trying to mix you know not fight the main man. You know he's gone up against yeah. a guy that many people believe is the fastest in F one and get at the end of his career. You know and at some point you've got to lose that last little little hundreds of a second. But then Lewis doesn't have, you know, it's like Alonso and Hamilton and they don't have like, although they have business interests outside F1, racing is their life. And, you know, you find other people get to late thirties and they start getting families and there's other priorities. Whereas I think like Alonso and Hamilton are just pure races. And it's great to see. Do you know how long his new contract is for? It says multiple years. Yeah. So it's going to be like two or three. It's probably like a couple with options and things like that. They normally do something like that. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious um, how much longer a guy like that runs. Like you said, he's not really tied down to anything else and seems to be just, he seems to be the type of racer who just wants all of the accolades, just like all the world records, you know, the most wins, most championships, most everything you can possibly get before you I, I think getting... And getting robbed in 20, you know, getting robbed a couple of years ago when they, you know, the race director didn't follow the rules and suddenly Verstappen won. I think that must give you a lot of fire to to yeah. go and win another one. That's got to really fire you up. So it's exciting. And, you know, we'll probably see him pop up into road cars and everything else soon. So, uh, Yeah. Anyway, it'll be, be interesting. But you're right. Just kind of an unexpected thing. It just kind of happened very, very quickly. It was just a big announcement. That was it. And, and it added seven billion even before it was officially announced, it added seven billion to Ferrari's stock value, which is just <laughs> crazy. So even if they're paying him like a hundred million a year, it's seven it. billion. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's just, fine. yeah, it's like it's like you see it in soccer, you see it in baseball. It's just they justify crazy salaries because it's all about the brand. Well, Spotify just re-upped with Joe Rogan, and I think that moved their stock price a little bit. They just signed yeah. him for another like two hundred fifty million dollars for a few years. They weren't real specific about the whole thing, but they did say he wasn't going to be exclusive to Spotify. They're going to distribute his podcast on Apple iTunes and other platforms and YouTube and because they got to make the money back. I don't think the stock price is going to be enough to move the needle to pay for Joe Rogan. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not on that sort of contract. No, no. I mean, we were so we should close be. and I turned it down. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't wasn't quite there. Um you guys, you guys were digging into the Macan EV because that was uh, something that we thought we were going to see at the LA Auto Show. We didn't see it there. Instead, we got uh, a room full of Kevin Hart's cars and food and <laughs> drinks, <true. laughs> which was kind of interesting. But uh, uh, now that it's out, I, I imagine you guys are going to order one. But what's your what's your take on it? So far, it sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah, we did a couple of things. We did a, a range test. Well, a sort of range test. We have our own Edmunds range test. It was a slightly different thing because it was highway-based, but 
we went and drove a prototype and we do this now and again you know we get invited to drive prototypes and it gives us initial taste of the vehicle sometimes the engineers like a bit of third party f- feedback you know they like to have a conversation about the car um and and then we also went to germany to have a look at it so we haven't driven the final production version yet that's probably not for a couple of months uh but it's it's we've had a good look around it we've sat in it we've driven it we've driven the prototype version and it's yeah i think it's a really really exciting thing i mean porsche took this decision not to do just an electric version of the mccann this is a kind of ground up electric car there will be no gas version um and it's going to sit you know it's going to start at about 80 grand and then there'll be a turbo that starts at over 100 and we just ordered one because it's kind of exciting it's a big vehicle which which trim did you order so we ordered the McCann 4. So the lineup looks a little bit like the uh, Taycan lineup where you have the 4 and then the Turbo, which isn't obviously isn't a Turbo, but I don't know. It's what the marketing people like. Yeah. Uh, so as always, nearly every time we Porsche, like the 4 is the is the sweet spot. The same with the Taycan, same with the, uh, same with the McCann. So we've gone for a 4 electric. And then, of course, you have to plunder the options list because it's a Porsche. So ours is coming out. I kind of say to the guys, like, like we don't want to, let's not spend more than 100 grand because we haven't got the money and frankly, it gets a bit ridiculous. So this one's coming out at 99020. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked to Porsche, you know, like Porsche, like we talked to Porsche and we said, obviously we we know a lot of the people there. And we we sort of rang up and said, look, what would, how would you spec it? What would you do? What are we, we don't want to, we want to tell the right story. We want to kind of engage with what, you know, your customers yeah. are going to order. So they gave us a bit of a list of stuff that, that that they thought we should add. And like you soon had 20 grand. Is there something different that they're doing on the battery technology compared to like the first gen Taycan? Because it seems like the battery is similar size, but maybe performing a little bit better, maybe a little bit more in range. Well, that's also what we see because we're updating the Taycan. Porsche's, Porsche's in a really interesting position this year that they are pretty much their whole range is getting a refresh. The only thing that's not is a 718 Boxster and Cayman, which is kind of getting towards the end of its life anyway. Everything else, Panamera, Cayenne, 911, later in the year, this, everything's getting getting some sort of update, including the Taycan. So there's a new generation of Taycan, which will charge a lot faster, will have a better range, new battery technology, which is kind of interesting, but it also sort of talks to you know the problem with evs at the moment because you have an existing Taycan. you know what does that do to your residual values i mean it's still a great car with still a great range and everything else but it's quite a big leap to the what's effectively a facelifted model right and then are they going to continue with hybrid models like on cayenne yeah that, that they're doing so, because you know they have this lineup of evs and gas engine vehicles does it make sense to fit hybrids in there as well i guess it does yeah, so I think at the moment what you're gonna the way it's gonna shake out is you'll have Panamera and Cayenne will be gas with hybrid options, uh, both plug-in and standard. Then you'll have 911, which is going to be predominantly gas, but there's still talk about them doing a hybrid 911. Um, but they'll keep going with gas as long as possible. Then you'll have seven and eight and Boxster, which is Boxster and Cayman, which are going to go electric. So basically, you'll have electric Boxster and Cayman, electric McCann. And that'll be electric and Taycan, obviously. So that's your electric lineup. Then you'll have gas will be Cayenne, Panamera, 911. And then what am I missing? Missing something. What else do they do? That's it. Oh, no. Uh, then gas McCann, which is the old one that's been around since forever. Right, but that's just going to phase out. 
Yeah, I think they're going to keep building that because they recognize that there's still a market for it. So I think they'll rec- they'll keep building it until nobody wants to buy it anymore. So Boxer and Cayman, uh, the the performance of the Cayman was really starting to, to kind of push the boundaries of 911. So moving it to EV makes it kind of a different car because before it was kind of like, ah, I'm not sure if this is like, it's almost like they were reeling it in a little bit to not outpace the 911 but well, by making it ev it doesn't matter if it the performance is better or similar to 911 because they're going to go but this is a different thing this is ev so i remember back in the day being on the launch of the original cayman and volta roll you know they're kind of world rally champion who's always like you know been porsche's primary test drive certainly was back then he um somebody asked him in the press conference and he's never been polit- politically correct or f- followed the corporate line. Somebody said to him like, why is this car not going got a limited slip differential? And he said, because the marketing people won't let me have one because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> takes it too close to nine 11. And they were paranoid then that they were going to, ki- they were going to harm nine 11 because he was like a more modern mid engined. It was like what the nine 11 was originally supposed to be. And then, you know, actually everybody still wanted a 911. So it was, it kind of all worked out okay. But it's also why in the last year or two, they've done, you know, RS versions of the Cayman and the Boxster and the Spider because they've said, you know, it's like, well, we're not building anymore. So you might as well build one, put the GT3 engine in it. Frankly, we don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like, which is, which it, is going to be really cool. And they're going to be really collectible. Yeah. But when it comes to residual value, it's still 911. Like, yeah, I think if you get an RS or you go like GT4 or GT4 RS, like the motorsport versions, I think they'll be okay. But yeah, it's always been seen probably wrongly as like the poor, you know, the, the poor person's Porsche. And certainly on crazy the- because they're really expensive. Yeah, because they're a ton <laughs> of money. Yeah. and But then also, I think the, the other thing that they've had is, you know, they made a mistake putting the four-cylinder engine into the Boxster and Cayman because it's just not a good four-cylinder engine. Yeah, doesn't sound very good, and you know, such a big part of its appeal. Then they tried to correct it by doing the GTS with the six pack in it, but that was like a hundred grand. So I think they've not done a great job of managing the Boxster and the Cayman over time. And certainly, the four cylinder feels like a mistake because the image just plummeted. Um, but they're a lovely car to drive. I mean, honestly, like some of the used car values on a Cayman or a Boxster, particularly the Cayman, you know, they're they're surprisingly affordable, and they're yeah. such a good car to drive. Right, but the first couple—I don't know—the first generation or so, similar to the Cayenne, it's like there's there's some really trashy ones floating around. I mean, they're they just didn't seem like they held up that well. But I think over time, certainly much better. There was a story that that basically a Boxster, once it gets to a certain level, becomes disposable because <laughs> let's say you bought it for ten thousand bucks and then the gearbox goes, it's you know, it's over. Yeah. So that was the that was the challenge. And then there's also that problem as we saw with like Subaru like you know STIs and stuff if if they if they get too cheap people don't look after them as well because frankly you know they're very expensive to look after if you want to do it, want to do it properly. A bit like the 996 911 suffered from that. They became so cheap that people were not people were cutting corners whereas like something like the 993 never did because they're always too expensive so you always had to look after them. And I think that's true of Boxsters and some of those engines were a bit icky as well. Um you mentioned disposable, which is kind of a, an interesting thing because you and I were also talking about EVs. Now that EVs have been out for a little while, what does that what does that really mean? And and there was sort of this discussion of going, uh, the discussion of saying an EV that's fifteen years old 
with 50,000 miles is worse than an EV that's five years old with 100,000 miles. Time is more of the factor than than mileage is. And it, it, <clears throat> excuse me, on some level, this is what just happened at Barrett Jackson with with Sammy Hagar's LaFerrari. I mean, his hybrid battery is like, we're at the eight year cycle of this hybrid battery. It's not performing well. Now the car, you know, they they drove it a, a, a month ago. It was fine. They drive it now. It's not fine. And their solution is we we need to swap out a whole new battery in this thing. So uh, what's the what's do you know what the price of a LaFerrari battery is? Yeah, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> is that under warranty then is that under warranty at eight years um i i don't know exactly so he had i think there was an issue with the battery at some point and something on the warranty was covered so uh, ferrari was doing warranty work on these i i don't know the full extent of of what his warranty covers on this but um the other issue is you can't really get a battery easily you know um shipping a battery here is uh more complex than shipping a car and uh i i don't oh I don't is think... it like because you can't put lithium-ion batteries in hand luggage and things like that is it the same gig yeah so what what someone was explaining to me and i, I don't think this is a secret by any means but taking um uh, taking a, a thrashed car taking like a used la ferrari or a prototype or something shipping that here with a new battery in it and then swapping in the old battery and shipping it back is easier than just shipping the battery without a car. It's weird, right? Is that from a is that a legislative thing or like a like I, a I, I honestly thing? I I think I think there's just rules with I think it's more scrutinized shipping a giant battery. Yeah, a massive piece of lithium ion yeah. battery, yeah. Yeah, like why why because there's probably more scrutinizing by going uh, what what's it for what's the makeup of the battery whatever and it's not really approved mainstream like a car with a battery is because the car goes through its own rules and and i just think it's easier to ship a car than it is to ship a giant replacement battery just i mean i get it if you both if you've got a la ferrari then maybe 250 grand doesn't mean what it does to you and i but still 250 grand right i don't care how many millions you got in the bank that's still a that's still a lot. It's a lot. And it's also one of those that you've got to do. You know, it's a bit like, I don't know, the gearbox to... breaks and you have to fix it on any car. And, and the I battery's know... got a quarter of a million. I mean, bucks. I know we've, we've said this before. Like, this is this is the question of the collectability of some of the hybrid supercars. Senna, McLaren P1, LaFerrari. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. You know, for, for that kind of money, maybe you just go all gas engine on something. And... And listen, Rimax, cool car, crazy numbers, but you're going to spend millions of dollars. And then I don't know. What's the guarantee on that? What's the warranty? Yeah, on the that? Pininfarina, but the Pininfarina is the same, fundamentally the same car. It, it's weird. I was looking at Ferrari values the other day. It's the same gearbox, isn't it? Because I remember like like a 550 Marinello, which is the last stick shift V12 front engine Ferrari, yeah. has suddenly gone really silly money. And then the 599, which is a car I love, but has a single clutch flappy paddle. Is a lot cheaper. I love the five nine nine, but it's, yeah. it's fascinating, you know, because also you're thinking that actually that gearbox I saw one up for sale and it was comparatively affordable, but it had carbon ceramic brakes and a flappy paddle gearbox, and I was just like, that's just a ton of money. You're going to be driving down the road thinking this is. I think we talked about it last time, didn't we? I was like, that's just a shed ton of money, yeah. and 
it's yeah, it's a whole new world. I mean, going back to F1, I remember somebody bought like a 90s F1 car and you had to get a specific laptop. I still don't understand. I'm not a technologist. I still don't understand the te- why you can't just create like a simulator, you know, like get a modern laptop to do what an old laptop used to do. But apparently like there was only like one laptop that would fire this thing up. That's and I, I, so maybe somebody listening can explain why that is. But you had to have the laptop to start the car, so it's like one of those like '90s brick, you know, laptop uh, little laptops. Yeah, that so. seems weird. Seems like, yeah, I'm not sure what that is about, but that seems kind of weird. Know. But and, and what we were saying though, what's the trickle down effect? Like for if you're buying a used EV or buying a used hybrid, like what what's going on? I mean, at some point we're gonna have to see just aftermarket companies doing fairly inexpensive, not quite as good batteries for for cars right? well hertz has hertz has just put in you know hertz has just decided to offload forty thousand teslas you know they had this big yeah. play we're going to buy a bunch of model threes and i at, we're at the dealer thing on on thursday in vegas we we're talking about it because if you suddenly dump forty thousand used teslas into the market that's a problem so they're probably going to like drip drip feed them or do twenty thousand initially and but all of that's to do with maintenance costs you know they just uh, they just find them too expensive to too expensive to run. Which yeah, there's it's a lot weird. of stuff. Wasn't still, the point of getting the VV for less maintenance? You know, oil changes. Yeah, and, and movable and, parts. And a pro- we had a Model Three for three years, and honestly, we didn't even rotate the tires, which we probably should have done. But we just <laughs> ran it for three years on a lease, handed it back to Tesla. That was it. Didn't 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 engage with Tesla at all till we till we handed it back. So. Yeah, I mean, our you know our Genesis is having a service and stuff, but yeah, it's a. I mean, it, there's a lot to be worked out. We're going through something at the moment with the the Lucid, where we got we got unfortunately got whacked in a hit and run uh, overnight. So some of the repair costs on that are looking a bit juicy at the moment. So we're working through that. So there's a lot, there's a lot of like nuances with this transition. But certainly some of the classic cars. I mean, obviously that era you had the the P1 as well, the McLaren, La Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, something like a Carrera GT, the last stick shift gas Porsche hypercar just feels like a great buy. <laughs> Give me an One F40 of the cars that's I'm starting done. to come back up is the Ferrari FF. That dropped down, became affordable, and at a recent auction, it started getting money again. And I was like, yeah. people should be grabbing the FF. I was I was like, not that I could afford one, but I was I was thinking the same. The other one that I, I did... I drove across China once and across India. Ferrari used to do well, just done one in New Zealand. I did a couple of these big Ferrari tours and I spent a, a load of time in a 612, which was always seen as yeah. the ugly duckling, the four seater. But actually, that was a nice car. It's a V12 Ferrari, you know, genuine ish four seater, decent trunk. And I think, you know, they've been down as low as like 60, 70 grand and right. they're still they're still pretty cheap. Whereas a 599, which had a lot of componentry, is like, you know, at least twice that. Because it's just not fashionable, but I don't know. It's quite a cool thing. Um, so when I was over at Barrett Jackson, uh, one of the big displays out there was Toyota and Lexus. They were really having a presence out there. They brought the Land Cruiser and the Lexus GX, uh, the new versions of uh, of those vehicles. Um, big, big flat windshield, a little bit more chiseled body all the way around, and and both of them. Uh, we're getting a lot of attention. I think the Land Cruiser, maybe just because the legacy and the name was getting a little bit more attention, but they had them both outfitted like with a bunch of like overlanding gear. They were trying to give this impression that, you know, the Lexus GX is is the luxury overlander that you want. 
It's the Patagonia overlander. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it was nice. I, you know, I, I got into it and it seemed, it, it seemed great. I didn't get to spend much time with the Land Cruiser because that had a bit more of a crowd around it. Uh, but do uh, you guys have thoughts on this? Do you guys get a chance to well, drive these yet? Yeah, we, we just drove the GX. Um, I haven't driven the Land Cruiser yet, but that's not too far away. Uh, so if you go to edmunds.com slash news, you'll see our, our first drive of the um, of the GX and also driving the revised Taycan, all the, all the McCann stuff as well. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the Lexus is obviously going to be more expensive, but probably, you know, because they're both getting up there. I mean, the, the Lexus is going to cost you, by the time you get it in the trim you want, in the 70s probably. Um, you know, the Toyota is going to be cheaper, but not that much cheaper. But it's going to start like... 55 yeah it's not before you do anything to it exactly so i think 60s so i think you're almost getting into like aesthetics and which do you prefer and which brand do you prefer and you know the lexus has got this very kind of quite extravagant but kind of fairly sort of bulbous look and then the land cruiser is a lot more retro and a little bit more cartoonish right i I mean, to be honest, I like them both. I had a, it's just because Toyota were doing a similar thing at NADA. So I got to have a good look around the Land Cruiser, which I hadn't done in a little while. Personally, I prefer the look of the Land Cruiser. Okay. I think the Lexus feels like it's trying a bit hard, but that's, that's just me. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, that's just a, uh, uh, an aesthetic thing. But both of them, I mean, it's, it's, I think both of them will do really well. I mean, what are you up against in that market? You've got, Bronco, higher, higher trim Broncos, higher trim Wranglers, uh, Defender, but right. Toyota's then going to have this starting at fifth in the fifties, but then they're going to slot slot Forerunner in as well, and Forerunner will be based on Tacoma. We're going to see it this year, so they're going to have quite a lot of compression in that market space because you know if you think about it, the Land Cruiser would become this like hundred thousand dollar, you know, fancy almost like a Range Rover rival. Now it's suddenly recast as a fifty sixty thousand dollar. Almost like where the current Forerunner is, so I think they're going to have an interesting job to mm-hmm. position Land Cruiser and Forerunner together, and maybe Forerunner will be even more hardcore off road, and you know Land Cruiser will be. But I think it's a everything I've seen about it. Yeah, I think it's a cool thing, and I think it'll do really well. On the uh, on the less off roady side of of things, Ford announced the new Ford Explorer and the Lincoln Aviator. Now I'll tell you, I did. I did some of the press drives when the Explorer and the Aviator came out and everybody was impressed and really liked the vehicles. And then kind of, kind of went a little downhill from there. Just the quality wasn't, wasn't quite there. And um, it's too bad. Uh, Both were seemed like nice vehicles and the Aviator hybrid had a, a ton of power between the, both you know between the electric motors and the gas engine motors and and just kind of kind of missed it i think on the quality side a home run as far as design and and what you know lincoln especially was you know selling the same we've got speakers everywhere and we got these wonderful chimes that the the philharmonic did and and like all these fun kind of luxury items that they were trying to sell and the black label was like you know we'll come to you we'll take your car your car for you or sort of a concierge service if you need any maintenance and it was all done with good intentions i'm just not sure how well everything was executed i think if you if you have a car that was 
wasn't very good quality, then you're you're really pushing the limits of your concierge service with everyone's going and picking up navigators and bringing them back to the dealer for work. Yeah, it's it, it, it unfortunately went down in history as like one of the bunk, great bungle launches. Uh, and also it came out at a time when, you know, Telluride was was making a lot of hay from Kia yeah. that that was, you know, Hyundai Palisade. There's suddenly a lot of competition in, in a market which, you know, historically been more of a kind of American market with, I'm going to get some grief again, aren't I, for like saying I don't like America. It's going to, somebody's going to write and say I don't like American cars again. I'm, just for the record, <laughs> like Telluride's made in Georgia. So, um, but it's, it, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those where they kind of misjudged the market a little bit. The the interior probably wasn't good enough. And when everybody else piled in with these great new products, they ended up with something that was a bit expensive. Quality was a bit, meh, okay. And then and then it proved to have reliability issues. So, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I do remember doing quite a lot of miles in Navigator, in a, in a um, not Navigator, Navigator's a huge one, isn't it? What's the middle one? Aviator. A- a- aviator. The a- yeah, the Aviator hybrid. And I thought that was just a, it was just a nice way to travel and you know it just never really caught fire and there's a big ford's got to work out what to do with lincoln a bit because you know you look at success of somebody like genesis where yeah. you know it's just a, a posh hyundai and let's face it lincoln is a posh ford and you know lincoln hasn't really kicked on in the way that say genesis has but then neither has infinity or you know acura is not 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 in fantastic shape either they got they got passed by i think as well with uh with cadillac I yeah, Cadillac did a, a great job of turning themselves into this kind of luxury performance brand with their with their gas guzzling V models. Yeah, <laughs> but and their electric cars, which and their electric cars, which they can't build and don't work terribly well. So yeah, although that's you know they'll fix that eventually. Yeah, but I mean, the Escalade still does well, and they're they're you know they're CT5 and CT4. I don't really know how many they sell, but they certainly get a lot of press from them. Yeah, the Navigator's always been a nice... The Navigator's always been one of those cars where, oh, would you get a Navigator? And then, like, if you're going to do on a family road trip or something, they're just great. Massive, big, comfortable, throw everything in. You know, great hi-fi. That's what you need. Uh, I, I When I was uh, in Arizona at the auction, so, you know, I met up with some friends, and they they bought two Escalades. Um, they bought uh, the extended wheelbase regular Escalade, and then... Uh, the other guy bought the uh, the normal wheelbase V, waited yeah. a little bit, got the V, and and the Ka- the Kardashian is, special. Yeah, that thing is nuts. You should hear that thing. I'm sure you have, but yeah, you get on that thing and you're like, holy cow! I remember, I remember when they launched us. We think this was Detroit, and they'd really sold the show as right. The show is good. Was it Detroit or LA? I think it was Detroit. And they'd sold the show as right. We're gonna. This is all gonna be about you know future technology EV. And then the only the thing that like the only thing of any significance was launched. Oh, by the way, we've done like a V spec version of the Escalade, and it's got a you know twenty yeah. liter V eight. It's got tons of horsepower, and it squats yeah. down like it's when it launches and uh, and 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 hustles, man. And, and you know whatever. And I, I was like, hey, what are you getting? Like nine miles to the gallon? I think he was like. Nah, I've been taking it easy. Get eleven. Yeah, but I mean, if you're in Texas or something, it's less of a problem than where yeah. we live. Yeah, and you know he can afford it. It's fine. But yeah, but Cadillac has seemed to be uh, has seemed to have got ahead of of Lincoln as well. So we'll see if if Lincoln is going to be able to to make it happen with that, um, the Aviator. But I don't know. I think if the pricing's good, the interiors look nice, and you know there's still an opportunity. 
It's all about yeah. brand, though, isn't it? It's like, you know, oh, I drive a Lincoln. And this was the thing they got rid of. Obviously, Ford sold off every, sold off Land Rover, Jaguar, Aston Martin. Think back in the day, Ford, Volvo, Ford had like the whole premium automotive group. They pretty much owned half the luxury world. And it's all gone. You're okay there, but you look, <laughs> you look like you're struggling. I was. Uh, I'm glad it's on Zoom. I Can was, I get it across I, Zoom? I Feels really... like it. I'm going to put this video up on YouTube. <laughs> um, all right. Sponsored well, by ta sponsored by Tylenol next week. I think it's uh, I think it's like a uh, NyQuil and nap time for me. So I'm going to have to skip out on the rest of today's events, but <laughs> I thought I was kind of over the hump with, with, with most of this, you know, but um, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a little longer than you think. Yeah. Um, all right. What else are we missing? Anything else? I think we, I mean, I think we kind of covered what we wanted to cover for. Yeah, for it's been a, it's been a busy, and, busy, busy time. And I know you uh, just came back from the very exciting NADA show. <laughs> yeah, the NADA show is, it's it's like, imagine 5,000 car dealers descending on Vegas. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't do, I only stayed for a night, so I didn't get too deep into the, um to parties and the craziness. But it's really interesting. Something like me, like, like, you know, I, in a, in the media world, you tend to meet like the guys doing the press, the press officers, the guys doing the PR, and then the company executives because they really like the company executives to to sell, you know, to give you the lowdown on the product. But it's super interesting being, you know, just seeing like you get a sense of scale, particularly in the US, of you know yeah. how big the car industry is over here. And you know, you think car executives earn a ton of money, then you look at the number of private jets flying in from like some of the you know owners of bigger dealer groups and things like that. And yeah, I love that. Sure. I still love that element in the US of that kind of like mom and pop store from, you know, from Arizona. And maybe they come in with the family and make a weekend of it in, in, in Vegas. And then you get the kind of massive, huge, you know, conglomerates of, you know, mul uh, which the huge franchises and, you know, and, and there's been a lot of consolidation. So you're getting more and more like bigger groups and owning a lot of the, a lot of the dealerships, but yeah, it's 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 good to see, and you know everybody kind of like trying to flog all their wares, like a lot of the B two B stuff and everything else. So it's just, I mean, like you put NADA together with SEMA, which is in the same location, and you real yeah. you get a real sense of like how the breadth of the auto industry. And I think that's why I've always like enjoyed working in it because there's just so much, so much scale and so much scope. Yeah, it's it's massive for sure. I went to NADA like I think it was in Tampa years ago. Could have been. Well, last year was Dallas. And it was yeah. a bit like, because, uh, you know, nobody wants to get, that's just out of phone, probably got listeners in Dallas. Let's just say that a trade show in Dallas seems superficially less exciting than a trade show in Las Vegas. Yes, for sure. I think Especially that's fair to say. A, a, an event like NADA is such a social event. It's a lot of yeah, kind of, it's, you know, salespeople, you know, wine and dining you know, vendors and, and vice versa and stuff like that. So uh, you, the environment of Las Vegas, I think caters to it a little bit more. Like I said, I think it probably more than a few years ago, it might be eight, eight years ago or something like that. I think it was in Tampa and um, I went to some, some after party thing and it was all fine. It just didn't really, it, you know, I mean, yes, you see the size and the scope of that side of the business as well, but, Nothing particularly exciting there over there. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, you know, it's a big part of who we are as Edmunds. You know, we're selling. It's it's a it's a selling show for us because we do a lot of work with dealers. We have a lot yeah. of like products that, you know, help dealers in their in their job. So for us, it's a you know, it's a big part of the mix. And yeah, 
it was great to see the team there. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's go ahead and wrap this one up so I can go take a nap. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need some and, caffeine. It's Monday morning. Kind of reboot for for the next podcast in a, in, a, in a couple of days. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Edmunds.com <laughs> is the website, and uh, you guys know where we are on social media and. Uh, oh, another big plug for top rated as well. So edmunds.com slash top rated if you want to see all our award winners that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And uh, those of you that listen to the podcast, if you want to see it, we've been putting them up on the CarCast YouTube channel and we went over some of the top rated stuff there as well. I think when I put this video up, it's going to be far less exciting than some of the other videos <laughs> as I'm turning red and my eyes yeah. are watering and I'm dying. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> yeah, but uh, aside from that, I think the other shows are are. are, are worth watching as well so <laughs> check that out all right we're gonna wrap things up until next time keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel for the latest updates and call-in times follow the show on facebook twitter and instagram at carcast show if you'd like to write in fill out the form on carcastshow.com and don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes carcast is a corolla digital production and is produced by chris loxamana for more information, visit carcastshow.com.